Hello, what have we here? Welcome to the IDP Nation Podcast, the Factory Sports Network's IDP-centric show. We're your hosts, Dan Cook and Daryl Winston. Are you ready for some tenacious IDP discussion? We've got you covered from your LB1 Year Taxi Squad. This is IDP Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the IDP Nation Podcast. We have with us today a linebacker from the Wingate Bulldogs. He attended Newton High School in Georgia. He finished high school with 215 tackles, eight forced fumbles, six recoveries, and a pick. And this past year had 66 tackles, two games with double-digit tackles, six-and-a-half tackles for loss, a half sack, and two picks. Uh, he is Robbie Wallace. Robbie, how's it going? I'm doing fine, man. fine. How's it going? Good, good. And Daryl's here with us, of course. Daryl, how you doing? Hey, Robbie. Doing pretty good. Thanks for joining us, Robbie. Taking the time out to do this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. no problem. No problem. I'm sure, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure you guys are ramping up for the season. Uh, you guys have uh, practices going on this week, and yeah, sir. He's uh, finishing up the last week of our morning workouts. August seventh okay. is our first day. Um, yeah, I already checked the check the schedule to see if y'all were coming to Jefferson City to play Carson Newman, but unfortunately, yeah. they're coming to your alls house. So yeah, we went there last year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a kind of a long road trip. <laughs> yeah, that's a little yeah. bit of a drive there. I'm about yeah. 30 minutes from there, so pretty close right. for me. So uh, who introduced you to the game of football? You know, who, who was the first person to kind of get you interested in the game? Well, uh, before I moved to Georgia, I lived in uh, upstate New York, where it's called Binghamton. Okay. And, uh, my friend's stepdad. He introduced me to football. He got me into my first organization called Whitney Point Eagles. And that's where uh, it all started when I was seven years old. Yeah, so started at a young age, definitely. Uh, and just loved it ever since, pretty much. Yeah, loved it ever since. So did you play linebacker immediately, or did you play some running back? I know that's uh, only no, a I first played, I played running back. And then I moved around a lot on defense. So I was like, D-tackle. Okay. I played corner, and then eventually I moved to linebacker as I got older. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah, in those uh, Pop Warner leagues, you normally play both sides, and, you know, you, you play an Iron Man game pretty much. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, why'd you choose Wingate? Uh, being, you know, you were in Georgia, and Wingate's in North Carolina, so a uh, little, little, you know, pretty close to home, but what made you choose Wingate for your yeah, career? I chose Wingate because uh, first they had a good academic program, but also what really stood out between all the other schools. They were very consistent with uh, trying to get me to come to the school. They like, actually really wanted me. You know, they was calling me, and they also came to the house with two houses. That was the most. Uh, that was the most school that came to the house with. So it just already made me feel like home. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, actually coming coming to see you, I'm sure, is, is one of those things that really shows it's not just a phone call, not just throwing you a text. It's actually coming to visit you. That, that kind of you know makes you feel like they really do want you in their program. Yeah, a little and, more uh, personal. Yeah, right. And I like the academic. You started with the academics. I'm a teacher myself, so I lo- love to hear the academic part because. And I've mentioned this in other interviews we've had. You know, I I, I teach fourth grade and. 
try to tell those kids, you know, the academics is just as important as football it is uh, right. tough, to, tough to tell them at you know, nine, 10 years old. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear they're going to the NBA, that. NFL. You know, they, they just want to hear the end. I didn't realize that until I got into college. You know what I'm saying? I see a couple of other people with this and, uh, football taking a little tear on my body. They want to stop. Education is great to fall back on. So. Yeah, and you'll always have the education no matter what happens. All right. Go ahead, Daryl. So we uh, went over your 2000 and 2000 or 17 and 18 seasons. You had really good years. Um, I was looking at your stats. You missed the 2016 season. Uh, what did you learn in that time away, and, or why did you miss that season? And what did you learn in your time away from the team? Uh, during that time, it was kind of downtime for me. Uh, at the end of my Freshman year in college, I was on academic probation, and then I had failed a class and community uh, dismissed from the school in 2016. So, uh, what I really did was, I went to, first, I got a job, and then you know, I was working, and I was like, oh, I can't work, it's not, it's not fun being in some of these houses, like in somebody's company for like eight hours, and it's not enjoyable. <laughs> so, then over the summer, I went to uh, two community college. And to get my grades back up, and then I just called my coach, and he was excited to get me back. And I was too. But what really kept me going was, man, like I was young still, and I knew that I didn't want to do anything else but for one, finish my college degree, and also still have a chance to play football. Right. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, Netflix series Last Chance You. Yeah. And, you know, hearing some of those players, you know, that they're like, you know, we, we were young and made mistakes and we're, we're just glad to have an opportunity. And uh, a couple of uh, graduate, not of graduates from that show, uh, Dakota Allen and Ronald Ollie are now in the NFL. So, you know, yeah. it's shows that if you dedicate yourself and kind of, you know, get yourself together, you can you can still make it. Um, yeah. You know, you can still pursue your dreams because. You know, when you're young, stuff happens. You know, I've made yeah. bad decisions when I was young. And, yeah, me uh, too. You know, it happens to everyone. It's yeah. You either uh, have to learn from it and move on, or or try not let it get the best of you. So uh, yeah, yeah I think, uh, God put me in that position was definitely like, basically opened my eyes to see what I really wanted to do. Because you know, I yeah. got college. I was still in my high school mode a little bit, so. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to fight back and then that resiliency and perseverance kind of shows, you know, shows a lot about character, too, because, yes. you know, if you, you could have easily just said, ah, forget it and just moved yep. on. And but coming back yeah. and that comeback story is something that, you know, shows, you know, good character. Uh, with, yeah. with, uh, and a lot of people will do that. They'll just whatever reason they give up and move on like there's you probably, said so. there's probably thousands of players a year that just walk yeah. away and so kudos to you so. robbie for uh for coming back fighting your way back i like to hear that so uh go ahead go ahead i was gonna say uh, uh yeah <laughs> what's one thing that uh um, you think uh you could improve about your game so something you work on now something you're you're working on in, in practices that you are trying to build on for this year uh a lot of play recognition you know uh, i have a good sense of the game but i try not i try to use my instincts as well play recognition so i can be faster 
opportunity to get to the ball to realize what's going on in the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm just really doing a lot of film study, learning my opponents, like, what do they do in certain places at the same time. Yeah, if you know what they're going to call before they call it, then it makes the job a whole lot easier. Right. Um, yeah, and what, what's the strongest part of your game? So what, what do you – I mean, not that you don't work on everything all the time, but, you know, what, what's the, the thing that I, that you think sets you apart from, from other players? Uh, I have, like, my instincts. It's kind of like I have like a sixth sense of the game. Like, you know, I get to places very quickly, and I also be very physical when I get to that point of attack. So, I mean, I think that's really my strong suit. Yeah, watching your highlight video, uh, you definitely hit hard. Uh, <laughs> and, and you're ripping at the ball, you know, constantly. So, you know, when you when somebody's getting hit by you, they're, they're feeling it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's what I try to, that's what I try to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can see your feel for the game, too. And your, I was watching your uh, highlights, too. You can see that. You, it's almost like you do have that sixth sense. So, you know, you said you want, you needed to work on your play recognition. And I think once you get that a little bit better with your instincts, you're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. you got it there. So what would you do career-wise if you didn't play football? Well, if I didn't play football, uh... I mostly be into stock market in the form of exchange, market trading currency and stuff like that. I mean, that's what I'm currently learning right now. Awesome. Is that your major um, uh, finance? No, actually, my major is a committee in commercial recreation and mining communication. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, what is your favorite song of all time? We'd like to throw in a few. Non-football related things here and there. Favorite song of all time, I have to be uh, 50 Cent, Mini Man. <laughs> all right. Good one. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, if you had one game that you would recommend someone watch of your of your play, what would it be and why? I would have to say uh, last year versus Tuscan, just because they run a post style offense and it's similar to our own offense. Uh, they they game was just I was just real real dominant in that game. Oh, okay. It's like I was just flying all over the field. Now was that a home game for y'all last year or Yep, that was a home game. That was our last home game last year. Oh so y'all be playing them again this year. Yep, we're going to Tuscan this year. Well I might have to come watch you. That's just about an hour the other way from me, so yeah, I might have yeah. to come, come watch you this year. It's always oh, a good game. Yeah. That's that's good. I'll have to check that out. I'll definitely look into that. That's right. Um, if that's the one game you would recommend everybody watch, what game would you like to replay and why? Game I like to replay probably would be uh, Carson Newman. It's twenty seventeen year I came back and played them, and that was like that was when we first got our lights on up here on our very first one. <laughs> That was like the most packed out I stayed in as a game. And it was just like, you make fine. It felt like a reason I'm in college game. I was just in the zone. The whole team was in the zone. We was just fighting to start the whistle to the last. <laughs> so, uh, this is a IDP Nation podcast. We mainly deal in uh, individual defensive players in fantasy football. Uh, do you play fantasy football at all? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. I mean, I haven't recently, but nobody wants to invite me. 
We, we might have to fix that. We might have to try yeah. to find a league for you to, to, to get in. They, they always trying to invite me in after they did their drafts, and I get, like, <laughs> the second-tier players. And I was just like, well, yeah. <laughs> See, I have a – my nine, soon-to-be 10-year-old son I was talking about the other, the other day, he, he did some mock drafts uh, online, and he, he's getting pumped for uh, – he does a league with, uh, like, family and friends. So he's getting pumped for his draft, you know. I'm in like way too many leagues, so I gave him this one. So, uh, but, um, so a lot of times when you are a player, you kind of look up to certain players, pro style players that you, you know, pattern your game after, or things that you like to work on that are similar. Who who are some players that you, um, you know, pattern your game after? First person I've heard of myself that is uh, Ruben Foster. It's uh, Bobby Wagner and uh, Deion Jones. Oh, man. Bobby Wagner. That'll be one in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are three good ones. Uh, definitely three good yes, inside linebackers. Uh, they, they all are very aggressive. Uh, they all have good hands. They're all hands. a little different, too. Yeah, they are all a little different. Um, you know, Jones and Wagner play a similar, probably because they're in a similar system. Probably. Uh, and Reuben Foster, unfortunately, uh, we won't see him this year with his injury. Right. Yeah, hopefully um, he gets healthy and gets yeah. back next year. I think those are really those two players, by the way, and Deion Jones kind of changed the game as a linebacker. Yeah. 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 You have linebackers that come in about like 250 pounds and just like big and bulky. Just yeah. rust apples. But those two are like kind of versatile. You know, that league is changing more into a passing league. Yeah, Bobby so kind of – you know, G- Jones came a couple of years after Bobby. Bobby was the first kind of sideline to sideline. You know, he's he's not a heavier guy. He's kind of shorter. Um, so he, you know, not, obviously not short, short, but, you know, he, he's kind there. of the, sure. yeah, yeah. I'd probably look up to him, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's more of those sideline to sideline. Like, you look at the guys who came out last year, you know, Darius Leonard and uh, Roquan Smith and Van Der Esch and, uh, and I'm missing one, Tremaine Edmonds. That yeah. speedy, quick, hard-hitting linebacker is kind of like that new the new style that kind of Bobby brought into vogue, so to speak. Right. So, I so, think a lot of defenses are trying to do this because they don't want to have to switch a lot of personnel. Yeah. And being able to cover and, you know. Some power behind you, too. Cover, power, stopping the run, you know, that's all very important from a linebacker point of view, definitely. Um, so if I'm your defensive coordinator, uh, what, what what play call do I play, do I call that you just, your, your ears perk up and you're like, all right, it's time. Let's any, go. Any blitz, any blitz, you know, so I'm fired up for a blitz because, you know, I just get <laughs> I got one job, and that's just a call of habit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can see that. Cause... Also, uh, zone coverage, especially like on third down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I get a chance to get, steal the right. pick. Which is, Man, actually, know, that, that shows off two very important skills as a linebacker. Your ability to cover in space and your ability to blitz as well. Yeah. So, Go ahead there, Daryl. All right, so moving along here. Um, oh, my screen froze there for a minute. What, uh, what are your personal goals for the 2019 season? Well, this upcoming season will be my last year. Uh, 
I actually want to break the uh, all-time record in tackles. I'm like 150 tackles away from doing that. Also, uh, becoming an All-American number one, too. Also, just really, man, excelling in all my stats. And also, most importantly, winning the Madison Championship. I mean, we've been talking about it for years. And each year, we've been getting closer and closer. Man. I think we have the right guys and the right mindset to do it this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's always always the goal to, to get in the ship. Good, Daryl. Um, what is the opposing player that's ever hit you the hardest? Opposing player, if I recall, it was a high school against a high school named Stevenson. I was a sophomore, and I guess he was like a senior. And he just, <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I guess I wasn't strong enough at that time. He just went out on me. <laughs> Yeah, you always want to be the guy delivering those blows, not taking them, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right <side of> that. <laughs> the, so uh, if, if you were talking to a high school player right now that's entering his like senior season or actually probably junior seasons when I guess most of the recruiting takes place, uh, what is the hardest part of playing college ball, and what would you tell them? What advice would you give them about you know get preparing and, and getting into college, and what to do your freshman year? Uh, most important, stay in shape. You know, after you graduate high school, you know a lot of players they really don't tend to work out like that because you know they're on your own waiting to get into college. So most important, stay in shape. You know, stay in shape, and also just get prepared to manage school football. You know, in high school, right. you was on a set schedule, waking up at 8 o'clock, going to classes, and then you got periods after periods. When you go to college, you set up your off schedule, and you got to manage that between uh, that and practice. But also, uh, as far as football, you know, it's a different language. So, you know, you're going to have to really humble yourself and just basically teach yourself and also just be a visual learner when it comes to football. Yeah, because, you know, you're, you're probably you know high school is probably a pretty basic playbook and right. then you get to college and it's probably it's the next level so it gets yeah. the playbook's next level too and depending on the coaches i'm sure some coaches like to go all out trying to get that they're trying oh, to get yeah. that next job too so yeah. they're trying yeah, to impress sure. you know the, you know you guys the players are trying to get to the next level and the coaches are trying you know when you're a d2 coach you're trying to get to d1 so right and the competition level tightens up too. Where high school, you might be the best player on the field. You jump to college, everybody was the best player on the field when they're in high school. So yeah. it tightens it up a little bit. Yeah, that's another thing too. You know, what I'm saying a lot of people come to D two and kind of think it's easy, but I mean, it's no. really not that easy. Because again, you're going up against grown men. Some of them yeah. have kids, and you, some of yeah. them trying to earn a scholarship already have them trying to keep it. So yeah, I live in the get real after that. <laughs> I live in a tight little area. We have, uh, like I said, Carson Newman's about 30 minutes from me. Tusculum's about an hour from me. ETSU is about an hour from me. And then, of course, I have uh, University of Tennessee, which is about an hour from me. So I'm kind of surrounded, so I kind of see it all. But these mm -hmm. places like Tusculum and Carson Newman, especially Carson Newman, for a long time, they were dominant in, in oh, their season. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's really good players comes through there, and, and there's some good games, too. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think any anybody that goes to the next level in college and plays, you know, that's just, you know, 
great yeah. to hear. Like it's, it's an accomplishment, you know, no matter right. what level you're playing at. Cause you know, I'm sure like 90% of kids, you know, they're once they're done high school, they're done. So, yep. right. um, yeah, Daryl, you want to wrap up? Um, here? yeah. If you had any pointers to give anybody, what would they be? Well, first of all, if you want to do something, make sure you're passionate about it. Also, like, don't ever stop, don't quit. I mean, because there's going to be times you can get discouraged, there's going to be times you're going to be a down moment, but that's just basically testing you to see, like, how can you overcome that adversity. Also, being more of a student than an actual worker, so you always got to teach yourself. Always learn, always learn. That's one thing that uh, really helped me out as well. And uh, also, get advice from people that been through what you've been through and also like, try to learn from other people. Right. Yeah. Going, that's going where you're going. It's most important is surround yourself with those kind of successful people. Because, I mean, if you like, you surround yourself with like five rich people, you're bound to be the sixth one. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and um, so a little off topic, just to wrap up here a little bit. So it's a, you know, nighttime, so... When you've done this, you, you got some time on your hands. What do you like to do in your free time besides football? With footballs, you know, you shut your brain off from football for a little bit. Uh, I'm not talk, thinking about football. I just really like to, you know what I'm saying, chill or relax, probably watch some TV, Netflix. What's your favorite really show? Probably talk to my girlfriend or talk to my girl on Netflix or on TV in general. Just eight to one. I, uh, Netflix, I really got into this new uh, series called 13 Reasons Why. Yeah, I got yeah. in there a lot. Okay. Uh, also, what else am I watching Netflix? Stranger also, Things? The, nah, I haven't got in there yet. I've been <laughs> trying to find the time to start there. I've been seeing a lot <laughs> of good stuff on that. But I'm definitely going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, I finished up uh, Luke Cage. I'm waiting for that to come out again. Yeah, also I watch a big superhero fan, I see. Yeah. Luke Cage Luke Cage season one was one of the best done. Yeah, it was. Season one <laughs> yeah. was great, yeah. Yeah. Season two was okay. It wasn't as good as season one, in my uh, but. <laughs> but yeah. So well, Robbie, uh, it's been nice having you on. Uh, any last comments yeah. to, to the people listening that you want to share with us? Uh, I just want to personally thank you all as well for having me on the show. Yeah, and thank also, you. I mean, for the people out there, out there just watch out for, like, Division Two football, man, because it's really getting a lot of buzz now since you have more media covering it. And it's yeah. actually kind of exciting, man. So, I mean, there's people out there I really have to look into it and probably try to go to a couple of games. Or yeah. just looking at it on the ESPN and stuff. Yeah, I think the ESPN Plus thing has kind of opened up a lot of avenues for, you know, Division Two games. Like, you can yeah. catch more. They, they're broadcasting more and more games. Yeah, all our um, home games on uh, ESPN 3. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. So yeah. there you go. So, like, if you want to check out the Wingate Bulldogs – you can check out ESPN three. I know with the Disney Plus coming up, I'm gonna probably get that combo subscription, and you know the kids can have their Disney, and I'll have my football. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, and I'm going to try my best to come see you uh, when you all come to play Tusculum. Um, yeah, most definitely. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll have to come and check you out. Hopefully, uh, maybe get a chance to meet you or whatever and uh, see how you do, man. Oh, yeah, you'd be excited. That'll be a great game. Just come on out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll be rooting on the Wingate Bulldogs this year. So, so far, we got uh, we got Memphis, yeah. Duquesne, and Wingate to root for this year. So, uh, cool. so we'll be uh, checking you out, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you guys in the natty, yes, taking sir. it down. Yes, yep. well, thank you for joining us, Robbie, and uh, you have a great rest of your night, and uh, good luck this season with everything, and uh, good luck on getting that tackle record as well. Uh, yes. So, Thanks thank for taking the time to do that. Yep. No problem, no problem. Thank y'all again for inviting me on this podcast. I really yep. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for making the time. All right, thank you. That was our interview with Robbie Wallace from Wingate. And, Daryl, we're going to kick off our regular show that we were supposed to do the other night, but somebody was a little sleepy. Yeah, I was passed out. I was sitting here waiting and didn't wake up in time little exhausted yeah i know we, we, we just recorded i think like three days straight so yeah if, if you didn't have a full-time job holding you back you know we could do Believe this all me, day I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it i really am we, we could be like the footballers and just you know all day hey sounds good to me that could be our, our steady gig here we go fly around the country and talk idp with people hey that, i'd love it let's we could do dream. it we could dream Anyway, so since we did not record the other night, we did record with the Aussie guys, which dropped a couple days ago. Uh, We're going to do the NFC South. We have to kick that off, and then we will be bringing the AFC West and AFC NFC West this week, later this week, probably maybe bleeding into next week as well. Um, But we're going to start with the news and notes real quick. We'll kind of, this is kind of a mishmash episode we had our interview and we kind of have a normal show but not really and we have another show coming this week with a guest who shall not be named i won't jinx us um what what do we got as far as the good news everyone um well actually none of it is good news oh Um, damn (laughs) (laughs) so let's see You gotta give yeah, me a heads yeah. up of which one to use. Like, Sorry, actually, the good news. Well, we already covered that, I guess, the other day. Bobby Wagner got paid. Yeah, we covered that. And Kevin Byer got paid. So two of our favorites right. got paid this week, which is good. That's right. Uh, but on with this, um, not real significant, but it's worth noting. The Cardinals released former first rounder Robert Kandichi. I guess he showed up out of. Uh, <laughs> I guess he showed up out of shape and he's been a bust since he's entered the league. So they've cut ties with him and moved on. An interesting um, uh, thing that I, I read on Twitter, somebody mentioned that his relationship with Steve Wilkes was pretty good. Cause actually he looked like a football player last year. Yeah, he did. And uh, he was, they're mentioning him maybe going to Cleveland as a, you know, well, camp, I camp saw that, and, you know, <laughs> But at age 24, he's still really young. Age you know, a 24. Team, Man. You know a team that could really use some uh, help up front? 
those Dallas Cowboys, and they don't care about character. Yeah, the Seahawks. So. Give me, give me, give me that care. Give me that Cardinals playbook. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course. Always an angle with you, ain't it? Well, I mean, you talk about a team that needs some line help. Right, they do. You're right. Uh, but they, uh, I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere. Might I'm sure he will, especially as, as these injuries pile up. I mean, we've seen injury oh, yeah. after injury announced. I mean, today alone, you know, we're recording this on Sunday. You know, we saw at least three or four instances. And the second somebody goes to, to the medical tent, it's like tweeted out. Like there's so many yeah. eyes and ears everywhere now. It's like immediate, like, yeah, we're back in the day. <laughs> a guy could have visited the medical tent 10 times and the beat writer would just write, you know, so-and-so missed some of practice and that'd be mm. all. And they might even mention it today is such a 24 <laughs> seven news cycle that everybody's got, mm. Yeah, everybody's got a cell phone, so everybody can yeah. take a shot. Can break the news. Yeah, uh, staying with the Cardinals, inside linebacker Hassan Reddick is out two four weeks with a knee scope. He had a little procedure done on his knee, so he's going to miss a little time. Pierce says he'll be on schedule for week one, but you never know with these things. So yeah, getting your knee scoped is never a good thing. Especially no. somebody who probably needs as many reps as possible to try to be relevant this year. So, and you know they just let go of uh, what's his name, Matt Longacre. Yeah. So they are super thin at linebacker right out the gate. So yeah, we'll talk about the story. Arizona Cardinals next week or not next week. This this week later this week. So we'll we'll dig more into that. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Later. And then the other two, they're not really IDP, but they're big news. Uh, so I figured we'd touch on them. Ezekiel Elliott. Still in a holdout situation. And A.J. Green to miss four to eight weeks with a ligament tear. Yeah. That was a big uh, big blow. Well, Michael Thomas is still holdout, I believe, too. Yes, yes. So if you have and, Tyler and Boyd, like I've been a member of league, you're feeling really good about it. So, yeah. I mean, I was feeling okay about Tyler Boyd with A.J. Green. I was, too. So, I mean, <laughs> as a secondary piece, the Bengals are going to be terrible game script is going to be pass 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 right um I'm, I'm not really worried about tyler boyd i mean the only thing that worries me is i think boyd is a little better with aj green on the field to take away that tension i think when you put the best corner on boyd he's a little less effective i mean right. not, i didn't dig into the stats but i'm pretty sure boyd had most of his really good games with aj green in the lineup I mean, he yeah. was consistent all year last year. I, I, I'd like him this year to do similar. And he just got paid, too. So, speaking of guys who got paid, Tyler Boyd. Nice deal for yep. him. Uh, but if that's all you got, then we that's will transition into the NFC South. And we will start with those Atlanta Falcons, those dirty birds. Um, dirty birds. So... This defense last year was decimated by injury, uh, especially up the middle with their key components. But we'll start up front with the line. Uh, Grady Jarrett is in the fold. They beat the deadline to get a long-term deal settled instead of a franchise tag. So a happier Grady Jarrett, I think, means good things for the Falcons. Um, Up front between him, uh, Deidre Sanat is looking like the other starter next to him. Um, You know, Really, Jarrett's the the Iron Man. He he nearly plays every snap on the field. We'll get the snap counts here in a minute. 
but he's he's really the run stuffer there. Um, not really IDP relevant, so to, I mean he he is, but if it's a two D tackle league, if it's single D tackle, I don't really worry about him much. Anybody else in this uh, interior line that you're really focused on? Um. I mean, they got Adrian Claiborne, Grady Jackson, or oh, Grady those Jarrett. Are, those are like outside guys. Jarrett's the inside uh, guy. Yeah, Jarrett's the main piece on the inside. So. Yeah, we'll get to disappointing defensive ends in a minute. <laughs> so, without further ado, I, I think Alan Bailey could maybe mix in on the inside too because he was playing that 3-4 defensive end for Kansas City last year. I think that was a good signing uh, recently uh, by them. He's good. I, I mean, he's not going to be IDP relevant, but – Signing football-wise, I, I like it. Um, now, speaking of those disappointing defensive ends, Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley have been huge disappointments, both first-round picks. Vic Beasley had one season where he kind of showed something. Uh, we'll get into those numbers here in a few minutes. Uh, and Tack McKinley has not really done much to show he's worth that first-round tag. Um do you have hope that these guys can turn it around, you know, get some pressures on the quarterback? You know, is, is there, is there a reason I, you picked Vic Beasley up just today or you bid on him? I saw. Mm-hmm. So are you uh, I mean, a little more need, optimistic about him this year? Well, I think in that league, I needed some help at defensive end and he was one of the better options available to us. I cut him, so that's, that's um, why he's on. That's why he's on the uh, free agent list or the, the I mean, auction it's not, block. It's not usually something that happens a whole lot in my in IDP leagues that I'm in because I'm usually strong on defense, and yeah. I actually needed that spot. Well, you took so, over this team, so yeah. So I needed that. a little help. So you know, you got to crawl before you can run. So I had to get a piece there. But I mean, he only had five sacks a year ago, and he only started nine games. So I imagine. As a full-time starter, he's going to be better. Um, tack, I'm not a big tack guy. Yeah, uh, just I don't know what it is. He just doesn't seem that he has that uh, <clears throat> starting dominant defensive end. You know what I mean? It just yeah. Neither I mean, one of these guys have lived up to the billing, <laughs> and I think that's why the Falcons. You know. They aren't as successful as I think they should be because you well, look at you look a at little the, bit more of a track record because it was what just well yeah Big Beasley has been okay but three years ago he led the league in sacks with what fifteen and a half so I mean he has shown he can do it yeah but outside of that year I mean last last year I drafted him to be like my second defensive end and. Every time I had to start him, I was just shaking my head like this guy. This is going to be another disappointing game because, yeah. and it was pretty much every time I started him. Um, he, he's just not what I guess that that ceiling was. He he hit he kind of peaked early. I guess is right. is what we're what I'm getting to here because yeah, I mean that was a big season for him. Fifteen and a half sacks, six forced fumbles. That was that was a big year for him. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to bring up his you know. And he had he's had five the last two since then. So I don't know. I think he can be a little bit better, but I wouldn't expect him to double his numbers. I don't know that he's a ten plus sack guy. 
consistently. Yeah. I, I, I would mean, put him in that seven to ten range and feel comfortable with it. But yeah, <laughs> like I said, fifteen and a half sacks, six forced fumbles. He had a monster season, and he just hasn't been able to do that. Right. So he he doesn't even have fifteen in his other three seasons. He doesn't even have fifteen and a half <laughs> combined. Like add them all up, you got fourteen. Right. He's just I think been very disappointing. To, to look at i mean right i don't I, think tech is a similar player for me yeah Ta- i mean tack I, I don't even think he's had i mean at least beasley's done it once tack has done yeah. it zero times so and you know he's had two seasons and i mean he had six and seven but and i think that's for him, I think that's where he's at in that six to eight range. I he mean, actually had more sacks than I thought he had, to be honest. Probably because he has nothing else. Like, he has no strip sacks. He has no – I mean, he has he had two this rookie season. Well, the thing that kind of concerns – well, I ain't going to say concerns me, but it is kind of telling. His rookie year, he played 16, didn't make any starts, and he had six sacks. Last year, he played 15 and had eight starts, and he only had seven. So, they even though he – had eight more starts, his numbers weren't really a f- reflecting an improvement. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think you really have to look at snaps because those the, – the, I think you have to look at snaps more than starts. And, and we'll get into that, but I think starts kind of relate to snaps in a way. If you're starting games, yeah. generally you would think that you're getting at least a few more snaps. Yeah, but, I mean, there's plenty start. of guys that are third-down <laughs> rush specialists that are more important than the guy that starts. True, true, and we'll get into that. So, um, going into the tackle numbers, for, oh, actually, we got some more. Yeah, we, we got talking about these defensive ends for two hours. So, uh, <laughs> linebackers, I think there's a very strong unit linebacker. I mean, obviously, Deion Jones is the man. You know, he missed a lot of time wow. with injury last season, but he is a plug-and-play linebacker one every week. He is has a knack for turnovers as well. We'll get into that with stats. Um, not so much last year because he was hurt. Uh, but then you have a couple of guys that are interesting, and one that I think the IDP uh, community wanted to crown, and he's just not really a guy. So, so we have Devondre Campbell, who's like a desperation play in my eyes. Um, he's playing strong side a little bit, um, and we'll look at snap counts in a few minutes here. But he yeah. actually led the team in tackles last year, Devondre Campbell did. We'll get to that. Uh, Fui Said Olakun is the other guy who's intriguing, a much less draft capital player that is getting a chance to play. Uh, he yes. played a little bit of like that's of safety and secondary in college, and that kind of helped him make the transition to be a good cover linebacker. <clears throat> right. So he's projected to start over the IDP darling Duke Riley who, again, has a much higher draft capital, third-round pick, and an extra year of experience, but it doesn't seem like he's getting the job done. No, he's more of the backup rotational. Yeah. And if, you know, Deion, if Deion Jones were to go down, Riley would probably play. And for that role, he's a re- I think he's a really good player for that type of role. As a backup yeah. and a rotation, feeling when you get somebody injured, I think he can excel in that role, but as a starter, no. Yeah. My opinion is Deion Jones is the only guy you want here unless he gets hurt. And then, you know, you can keep – if you had these guys last year and you never dropped them, keep them. 
because if yeah. something were to happen to Jones again, then they're you knew from last year they they were serviceable. And they're I not, think they're not Deion Jones, but <clears throat> no. But I think Foyer's side is is one that worth keeping around. Yeah, I mean he's going to start and play. It looks like at the weak yeah. side. So and I mean, yeah, think KJ Wright tackles last year. So. Yeah, and think KJ Wright because Dan Quinn comes from that Pete Carroll, you know, defensive tree. Right. So you know, think KJ Wright. KJ Wright was a very serviceable weak side linebacker for a long time. Uh, getting to the secondary here at corner: Desmond Trufant, Isaiah Oliver. Uh, you got Kendall Sheffield, the rookie. Bleedy Ray Will uh, Wilson. Uh, they did lose a couple guys here, namely Bradley uh, Brian Poole. So uh, Oliver kind of got to step up. Uh, Trufant, I've always, he's been a very good corner and even a decent IDP corner because he's not exactly a shutdown guy. No, he's not. And he gets you know, a lot look, of fast deflections, yeah. makes a lot of tackles. So and Kendall Sheffield could see the field right away. Although they do like to play Casey on third downs. Although Casey played a lot last year because the injury to Keanu Neal, who we'll get into in a minute here uh the safety tandem is very good with keanu neal and ricardo allen and keanu neal is uh one a top five safety when healthy last year he obviously was not healthy so anything else about the secondary that we should pay attention to uh no thank you got it yeah and if uh something were to happen to neal again casey's definitely the guy you want in fact casey might be the nickelbacker as well yeah and he's probably saved a lot of fantasy owner seasons last year um you know if they uh, neil owners especially when he went down and casey stepped in i mean he had seven interceptions last year yeah he did not uh, play tackles. i mean he was a big player and a big player in idp last year so while yeah. his role may come back with the return of neil this year i wouldn't totally write him off because they may be in that type of playmaker like you said he may slide over uh, as a defensive back and and help out there so yeah, and they brought in J.J. Wilcox, and he's already on the IR. And uh, Michael Bennett, we didn't mention, he's on the IR with a torn ACL as well. Right. Or AC, maybe not an ACL. He's out for the season, though. Uh, so going on to our stats here, tackles, leading tacklers. Devondre Campbell is number one. Uh, Fui Said Olakun was number two with 94, or 91, 94 and 91 there. Uh, Casey, like you just spoke about, 82 tackles. He had the seven picks as well. Brian Poole no longer with the team at 74, and Desmond Trufant had 66. Uh, Duke Riley was right there with 60 as well. So obviously without and Deion Jones and here's a here's how important <laughs> Deion Jones is. In only six games played, in which he left one with an injury, had 53 tackles, two picks, a touchdown, a forced fumble. Even missing 10 games was one of the most significant players on his team. Six games, and he's, like, beating out guys that played 15, 16 games. He had more tackles than Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley combined. Actually, he had exactly the same, or one yeah, more, I mean, one more than Tack and Beasley, or Beasley combined. He didn't yeah, have the sacks, yeah. but... I mean, that's just how important Deion Jones is and how yeah, and if you kind of studly Deion Jones is. Spread that out to a 16-game season, you know, the 53 and 6 games, if you spread that out, he was on pace to hit 141 tackles on the year. Yeah, which we think it did. Uh, yeah, the, 
Darius Leonard. I can't speak to that here. <laughs> um, but uh, Darius Leonard numbers, which, you know, and yes. Van Der Esch numbers that we were talking about. Yeah. Van Der Esch is projected like, like, to even yes. have higher than he would have if he played all 16. Uh, started all 16, I should say. And um, I think those, I think he fits in with those four. Van Der Esch, uh, Leonard, Martinez, and Jones. I think those are your four main tackling machines. Yeah, and I think after this season, you know, and maybe even this season as I look at rankings and projections to the future, those top four I think are going to be there a while. I do too. I don't – Because they're they tackling. On... They're, they're good defenses to play on. They're very generous with the systems they play to, mm-hmm. to be in positions. Um, and there's so, one that I would kind of push right behind them, maybe Tremaine Edmonds, I think. He's yeah. right, right behind them. Yeah, I'd like to see him take a step this year. I know I know he's a good linebacker, but yeah. I'd like to see him take a step to be that elite oh, yeah. top five guy before we yeah. kind of crown him, so to speak. I mean, he's LB1, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, he is. But the, we're talking elite top five. He, he's kind of on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, he's probably in that next 5 to 10 group, 6 to 10, what are you going to call it? Yeah, so look at it, sacks. Uh, Tack McKinley had seven and led the team, which I couldn't have even told you that happened. I don't know. Again, he had no stats but sacks. So with these sacks, yes, he brought down the quarterback, but no strip sacks, no no turnovers. This next one that you're about to say is – a little surprising. And Grady Jarrett in 14 games at six sacks. Uh, Which Jeff. is kind of weird to me. Not that he had the six sacks. That's good. Especially if you play an IDB. Six sacks from a defensive tackle. That's great. Yeah, he's just not somebody you expect to be a sack artist. He's more but if he's getting that, run stuff. that many sacks, why is there not more people on the team having better years? You know, yeah. Tack only had seven and Grady's at six. They should have been more people. Well, having more sack numbers if he's causing that much havoc. Part of it is quarterback hits. His team did not have many quarterback hits. No, they did not. Yeah, he had 16, Tack had 15. They're just not getting into the backfield quick enough. And it maybe has to do with the division they play in because we we talked before about the NFC South is a very good division. Right, and And maybe Stephen Jones will help that coming back as well. Well, and I think that's a big part of it. When you're missing Deion Jones and Keanu Neal for a large majority of your season, yeah. you're, you're hurting. So yeah. let's let's keep moving here. Uh, Jack Crawford had six sacks. You know, who's Jack Crawford? Uh, <laughs> nobody on my radar, but he had more turnovers caused than Tack McKinley. Yep. Uh, Vic Beasley was fourth with five, and Bruce Irvin, who only played eight games with the team, and had three and a half. And then you had a corner, Brian Poole, who's no longer there. He had three, so. Yeah. And he, Brian Poole was kind of that uh, Swiss Army knife on defense, he was. though. So. Um, but, yeah, the, these five, they need to step their game up. Yeah, I they mean, do. Bruce Irvin's with the Carolina Panthers now, and I don't think I remember reading Jack Crawford's name. Uh, I don't know where he I is. I don't know if he's He's not still... really a guy on my radar, so. Uh, but McKinley, Jarrett, and Beasley is the main three. And Devondre Campbell, yeah, I would kind of throw him in there. Crawford is still with the team, so he'll rotate in that line. But, I mean, if he can replicate six sacks and Jarrett can replicate his six and Tack and Vic can just do a little bit more, yeah. that's going to be good for the team. Um, so getting to the, the IDP studs, obviously everybody knows uh, Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. 
you know, those are the studs. Um, outside of that, the corners you might want to invest in a little bit. Um, I still like um, Desmond Trufant, even as a, you know, supposed shutdown corner. He had 66 tackles yeah. in 16 games, 12 pass defended. Um, Led the team in that category. Yeah, so he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Ricardo Allen, not so much. If he gets hurt, though, Casey, you know, could. Then again, Casey could just take that job. Casey's a couple of years younger, played all 16 games, started 15. Allen only started and played three. You know, why not? Why, why do you think Casey doesn't get the job? I don't know. I, to me, I would give it to him because I think he's earned it. Uh, and, and you can see what he's done. Uh, I also like Isaiah Oliver for them who they drafted a year ago, I think it was. So... Like Do you think it's more, because they view Casey as more of a strong safety like Neil is? Maybe. That they maybe. just don't want to have two thumpers on Well, it's possible. But, I mean, you look at what he did when Neil went down. Yeah. He filled in and, admirably. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, 82 tackles and seven picks, that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And I think any time that somebody performs that well – you have to get them on the field, especially yeah. when you don't have a very talented defense to begin with. I think that you have to get well, talent on the field. They have a talented defense. They just got to stay healthy and That's true. perform. But you can't tell me that Casey's not one of the best 11 defenders on the field. Probably. Well, he played 90% of snaps last year. I mean, that's mainly because of the kneel injury, but still, he played right, a lot um, last year. Put him at corner. Put him wherever. I mean, there's a spot Maybe for they it. do. We'll, we'll find out here. Well, it's something to pay attention to in camp. Uh, Desmond Trufant played 97% of snaps. It's not surprising there. Um, that Casey played 91% of snaps. Alford played 88% of snaps, and he's now gone. Devondre Campbell played 83% of snaps. Brian Poole played 76 Grady Jarrett played 65, so about two-thirds of the defensive tackle snaps are his. Vic Beasley played 64. Jack Crawford played 57, kind of mixing in when you know Jarrett comes out and when the other tackle is there. Um, and you know, looking, Tack McKinley played 57%, and then the rest were sub-50s here. Um, Olakun might see some playing time go up. As, but you know, Campbell played a ton of snaps, and I think that maybe more of uh, Deion Jones wasn't there, so they let Campbell play a little more. Um, but it seems like Campbell's going to play strong side, which means probably less time on the field. Yep, I would agree. So, um, so his stock is down a bit to to this year. Um, yeah, besides those couple guys that we mentioned already, I'm not really buying too many Falcons. Um, no, me neither. Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, I think that's your cream of the crop, and then you've got a few decent fill-ins or, or backups that you can get, but other than that, there's not a lot going on that I like. Yeah. All right, so that'll put a bow on the Atlanta Falcons, let's go down to Carolina. Down to Carolina. Uh, so, I don't know that I have a good 
Here we um Yeah, nothing. Nothing's <laughs> jumping out at me here cuz um Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> no no drop for the Carolina Panthers. I didn't have one for the Falcons either, really. I don't have any dirty bird or anything on my uh iPads. But anyway, uh, the Carolina Panthers, this is one of the most intriguing tran, um, training camp stories because Ugh. our IDP world could just get crushed. Crushed. And the thing that irritates <laughs> me about this the most is if if we're going to do this, like we've already drafted. like we, we drafted intending on these people, and we knew there's a possibility of some switches. But we drafted with the idea that these guys were going to play a certain position. And I still hope that they kind of are running a hybrid and not necessarily just a 3-4. Because Brian Burns, I don't know. Brian Burns is probably the one that this affects the most. Yep. Big and time. You know, I know you're probably, you know, and, and Addison too. Addison would probably be the other yeah. one that got switched to linebacker as well. I got to see, I guess, the team practice and see what they're doing to kind of see how they're lining these guys up. And, and you know, we'll have a position designation episode as soon as uh, Gary from Fantasy Sharks decides to release that stuff and, and get that stuff out. We had a couple minor things switched around. I think these were just things like uh, cleanup. Um, but he has yet to rule on the Panthers and what the Panthers will be. But as far as right now goes, defensive tackle-wise, we had Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy, the free agent. Also, Kwan Short. Uh, those are the main three. You got some other guys that will mix in there. Um, pretty good defensive tackle group here. Yeah. Wes Horton is one that – a good, decent backup. I would add him in there. Well, they have Horton playing – They've got him as probably a D end. I'm so trying to not, find Horton on here. They don't have him anywhere. Horton here's who. Uh, yeah. Horton here's he, who moved on. <laughs> oh, did he? I swear he did. Yeah, I think he moved Maybe on. I'm somebody else. I, I think we that. read his name somewhere else. I think oh. he he's no longer with the team. Oh, check my the bad. roster here. In my bad. I may have looked at it wrong. But. Yeah. Um. But Addison and Burns. Uh, yes. Bruce Irvin is. You know, Bruce Irvin couldn't find a job last year and is, is possibly starting at defensive end. Uh, and Brian Cox Jr. is an intriguing. Uh, yeah. You know, he long, not really a long shot, but he's kind of been on practice squad, kind of a rotational player last year. Uh, he might actually get a shot with some playing time this year. Right. Uh, so those are your defensive ends, and those four guys are subject to be changed into linebackers. And that's a scary thought, because Brian Burns, I don't picture as... If he gets switched to linebacker, his value for me goes from you know, possibly intriguing taxi stash slash you know, maybe decent to I don't even really want him. Unless he turns into Von Miller, which even Von Miller in a lot of leagues is kind of not really draftable. Um, I don't see him being that run-stuffing defensive end. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't either. So, uh, and they don't really need him to be because they got Luke Keekley on the team. 
Right. So, um, and speaking of going to linebackers, Luke Keekley, Shaq Thompson. Is Shaq going to do this again? Uh, Shaq actually will get some playing time this year, I think. Yeah, he will. <clears throat> He'll get and, a good run. So. And then you got. Uh, looks like Antoine Williams may be playing and starting, depending on how they sh- shake out this defense. And Christian Miller, the draft pick from Alabama. Right. <clears throat> Uh, it was a fourth round pick that should mix in uh, mainly, I think, on pass rushing downs because he's more of a pass rusher as well. Right. So then looking at the secondary, uh, the secondary is, has some very intriguing pieces and some very uh, good jobs up for grabs here. You got Bradbury and Dante Jackson at corner, Ross mm-hmm. Cockrell as well. Um, Dante Jackson, actually both Jackson and Bradbury are pretty good IDP corners as well yep. as decent real corners too. Yep. Um, and they both put up pretty decent numbers. So those are both two to keep an eye on uh, if you have to draft corners. Um, looking at some of the backups, looks a little ugly yep. behind them. <laughs> no. So if any of those guys get hurt, they're going to be hurting Corn Elder uh, may be the best of the backup group, but yeah, I wouldn't put a whole lot into that. Yeah, it looks pretty ugly. Uh, safety wise is intriguing because we got yeah. Eric Reed and Rashawn Golden, who we we were kind of clamoring to start last year. Former uh, Vol. Yeah, there you go. Your Vols, of course. And uh, Quinn Blanding is a guy that we really liked uh, with the rookie roundup last year. That's what we yep. called it last year. Um, he could possibly be fighting for that job at safety and could maybe, you know, see the field in reserve role. Um, so interesting enough, Eric Reed, they rewarded him with a contract after, you know, he was kind of shortly kind of blackballed for his, uh, kneeling during the Anthem stuff. (laughs) Um, but the Carolina brought him in, you know, on a one-year deal, and then they re-signed him because he did play very well for them, and he should be on your IDP radar. Right. Um, political beliefs aside. Um, and Colin Jones is another guy that could possibly see some playing time. Uh, so getting into the Carolina Panthers stat-wise, defensively, it's no big surprise who the team leader in tackles was. Uh, Luke Keekley, a little team with 130 tackles. Uh, also had an interception, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. couple uh, sacks. Yeah, well, we'll get in sacks here in a minute. Um, he led the team. Shaq Thompson, you could say yeah, last year was probably his uh, best statistical season. Still not really a world beater. Uh, had 79 tackles, also tied with Thomas Davis, who has been you know blocking his ascension into greatness. You know, Shaq Thompson's only going to be 25 years old next season. I know. I saw that the other day, and I was like, wow. Seems I like feel like so- he's been in the league for 10 years. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> Maybe because of my Shaq Thompson love, thanks to Bill Latin, for uh, yeah. inspiring my love for Shaq Thompson and uh, never letting go. Uh, but anyway, this could be Shaq season. You know, We, we keep saying he's going to break out. Uh, it could really, really be time for him to break out. Um, this is his fifth season, so he came to the league and played at age 21. So, yeah, um, he's going up every year. He made a pretty decent jump last year, and only played in 14 games, which seems to be a pattern. 14, 14, 14, 14. 
So yeah. that could be a problem, missing time. This, I would agree. This was probably his best overall season. Well, statistically it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a forced fumble, uh, one only one pass deflection, which shows me his coverage. He, he's not really used in coverage. Right. We'll talk about snap counts a little bit. Uh, Thomas Davis is now a Los Angeles Charger. He only played in 12 games last year, uh, ended the season on IR. Uh, but, you know, his time in Carolina ended, but he wanted to continue playing football. So he, he yeah. went to the Chargers. Um, at seven, you know, he'll be 36 <laughs> years old, and good for him. Yeah, yeah now, that's all I can into say. that age where... Yeah, I'm not touching him in IDP. You know, I own him in a couple leagues... I think he can do okay because the Chargers linebacker core is so. If you're hurting, I think he's got another year, maybe two. One, yeah, yeah. I would not invest a lot in him. Maybe free to take him. Yeah, if you're looking long term, no way. He's not a long term answer. Thirty six years old. Yeah, and if you're having to pay for his past, then don't do that either. If you can't, like you said, if you can't get him cheaper off waivers, then I'm not touching him. Yeah, Mike Adams, another uh, aging vet. 75 yep. tackles and Dante Jackson. And we mentioned him earlier, only yep. 23 years old last season had four picks and 74 tackles, a forced fumble, nine pass deflections. He was a very good corner and should continue to, to impress and be good. Um, right. So he is definitely one to, to roster. Uh, Bradbury wasn't too far behind him. So that's another one. And Bradbury had more passes defended. So, um, so those two corners are good bets for IDP. Uh, Mike Adams is no longer with the team, no longer playing football this season. I believe at you know almost thirty eight years old. There's no doubt of why. Yep. Um, he's probably just done. Um, Eric Reed only played in thirteen games at seventy one tackles, um, had a sack, five pass defended, and an interception. Um, he's a guy I like, you know, he, he'll get that starting role from day one. He was brought in a little late last season. He wasn't really a week one signing. So, um, so he'll, he'll get a chance to play. Right. Um, he might've been with the team week one, but I don't think he started until a couple weeks in. If I'm looking at these tackle numbers, I found it interesting as you was going over them. One, two, three, four, five, six. They had seven players a year ago that had seventy plus tackles. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Which means they they don't really play a lot of reserves, which we'll get into yeah. shortly. Um, sack numbers: Mario Addison led the team with nine sacks. I would expect that to probably continue this year. I'm just uh, not a big Addison fan. I I'm not either. Addison. I don't and really I don't know see. Why. I don't really see him as a elite defensive end. He's like a middle tier. I think I think of him as like a DE three because he you know he had two forced fumbles. He only had twelve quarterback hits, which means he's not getting there too consistently. I mean, two thousand seventeen was probably his best year with eleven sacks. Yeah, he had nine and a half before then, but before he's, that, he wasn't a whole lot. And I think a part of that was because Julius Peppers maybe was there last year yeah he's going to be a 32 year old um, yeah i mean he bounced around early in his career uh like you said he doesn't get a whole lot of qb hits so that's we 
me and you've talked about it, that's kind of showing us the opportunities to get the sacks so he's not getting a whole lot of those Man. you know i think your defensive ends your outside linebackers you want to see those numbers up into the 20s or more yeah i'd like to see one or two a game at least yeah or a little over one a game even if it's more i mean some defensive end in itself we talked about as a streaky position it is and you know you get them when you get them and you know your guy won't get a sack every game unless he's you know like having an amazing season right um julius peppers was next on the team with five and you know he's gonna be 39 years old so he he retired and hung him up yep um it's good that he got to come back to carolina (laughs) I did. For his last season, um, or last, I think he played there two years, right? When he came back, I think so. Um, Shaq Thompson was actually third on the team with three and a half, so you can see the big drop off here. They had trouble getting to the quarterback uh, consistently. Kwan Short was uh, fourth with three, and Luke Keekley was tied for fifth with two. Yeah, I could see uh, Shaq getting in that five to six sack range this year. I think that's and here's way. where the thing: if they play the three, four, Shaq inside or outside. Well, I think he, I think he kicks inside if that's the case. I think so too. So that that means he probably he's not going to get those sack yeah. opportunities. Right. It's going to be Miller and Addison and Burns, um, Burns from the outside. So right. yeah. yeah, so I don't know what. With Carolina's proposed switch, McCoy probably kicks to end. Yes. Yeah, Poe is a natural nose tackle. Kawan's your other end. Kawan would be your other end. So I'd mess him up, too. Which, which is a nice front three, by the way. It is a nice front three, but for IDP purposes, it messes everything up. Oh, yeah. I completely so, agree. I don't know. Guess we will have to play the wait and see like, game here. I kind of like Kawan Short to have an improved year, regardless of the scheme. I think McCoy's going to help him a lot. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm looking at one of those defensive linemen, I would probably bet on on Short being the best of that group. Yeah. But here, here's a question for you, and this is maybe more philosophy and not necessarily. Does it really matter if, if they're – "Quote unquote," playing a three-four or four-three with the with the personnel they have. Does it matter in fantasy? Is that what you're asking? No. Does it matter on the football field? Because with the personnel they have, I will say. I mean, it's it's probably more about where they line up. I'd yes, probably say but... no with them. So the designations are basically, you know going to be based off of you know i don't know i don't get it that's why i think we need to push for the if you rush the passer you're an edge guy you know if you're an interior lineman you're an interior lineman i don't know i can't do this edge i can't it's better than what we got right now true better than fake defensive ends and well fake, i do see, fake I do outside see, linebackers i do see the advantage advantage of that because then we get Get Khalil back, back. Yes, we could. Yeah. And Aaron so Donald I, will be interior. Uh, yeah, so I would agree with that, even though I, I'm an old school and I, I hate that. Age. You are, but, you know, you got to evolve. Come on. <sighs> got to be like a Pokemon and evolve. Fine, if you're going to twist my arm, fine. 
Get a change. Embrace the change. Uh, anyway, we got way off track with that. Probably because this team is one of those teams that's going to be impacted highly by what scheme they are quote-unquote running, even though Ron Rivera has been very kind of... Right. Uh, mysterious about how he has said things. I'm going to have to dig into some yeah. of his comments about the defense. I'm sure some beat reporters, if they're doing their job, uh, have <laughs> asked about those defensive changes because that would be important. Uh, but looking at percentages, Bradbury played 99.6% of snaps. He probably missed like one. Uh, Mike Adams played 94. He's gone, so you know yep. somebody's filling that spot. Uh, that somebody is probably Rashawn Golden. You know, he, he was second on the team a year ago with the interceptions with three, so that's gone. So Yeah. Luke Keekley was had 93%. Obviously, he doesn't leave the field much except for injury purposes. Uh, Dante mm-hmm. Jackson had 90% of snaps. Eric Reed played 73%. Mario Addison had 67%. Thomas Davis played 65%. Captain Munnerlyn had 63%. Shaq Thompson, 50 60% and K1 short at 59%. That's a lot of people that are gone from this team. Adams, uh, Ad, Ty Davis, and Munnerland all gone. A lot of snaps, a lot of opportunities for some other players to step up. Yep. And we already mentioned all those. So, any other comments about the Panthers? I mean, obviously, uh, Luke Keekley's the guy to own, although. Again, owners might start to try to ship him off while you can still get excellent value for him if you're getting well, something. We may, we may have something on that later in the show. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna tune into that on Wednesday for our Wednesday recording. So right. we'll, we'll talk about that trade. A uh, little teaser. We'll talk about that trade involving Luke Keekley uh, later on this week. Um. Bradbury and John Jackson are two guys that I definitely would buy at that corner. Um, Eric Reed's a guy at safety. I like, um, depending on how the rest of this team shakes out, depends on if I like him or not. If Burns is a defensive end, I like him. If he's not, I really don't like him. Uh, cause I don't think he's going to get, you know, unless you're like and scoring matters. If you're getting like, primo points for sacks then maybe but i don't think he gets double digit sacks year one yeah i don't either so and addison's value would take a hit if he was you know so it's it's confusing and it's tough and until something definitive comes out i think gary has come out and said he's not going to drop this like right before week one you know i think he does want to see some training camp and see some some info before he makes decisions like that and i'm messes. probably right after week two is where i'm kind of guessing it'll come in uh the preseason i'm thinking week after week one you'll have a good idea what they're doing yeah yeah I think you'll, so. you'll have two weeks worth of practices to watch you'll have and you'll have a game so you, you if you pretty much know what they're doing by then you'll see burns on the field i'm sure unless he's hurt you'll see miller on the field you'll see addison you know what are they doing Again, the Panthers are one of those teams that give you a headache. But anyway. Um, now word from the Scouting Academy. 
scout NFL football like a pro. Invest in yourself and get a degree in player evaluation and assessment from the Scouting Academy. They've educated NFL GMs, personnel directors, and dozens of NFL scouts. Enroll today and you'll watch the same game tape NFL coaches watch. You'll learn to look past the metrics with position-by-position analysis. This is a time-tested curriculum, a chance to learn from the NFL execs and coaches. Sign up today and get a Dynasty Football Factory exclusive discount for limited time only. Save $50 when you sign up at DynastyFootballFactory.com. And while you're over there at DynastyFootballFactory.com, you can sign up to be a member if you have not done so already. Uh, Come join us on the Slack channel for members only. Check out our fantasy Fact, factory fantasy mailbag which i do part of and lewis uh, ff down under uh does the other half and uh we will bring you some good info over there some articles rankings everything you could possibly want in a website uh we got everything and the guides yes go buy the guides as well <laughs> the guides are great yes they are anyways uh getting back to the NFC South, we have up next the Nolans Saints. And this is a very talented team up front. You got Malcolm Brown and David Oyemeda until Rankins comes back from his Achilles injury. Um, I'm not betting on Rankins being there. He's probably going to be on the pup list for the first six weeks if I had to make a prediction because it's his Achilles and he injured it late in the playoffs. So oh, yeah. that's not something, you know, as we spoke to Ethan Turner, it's not yeah, something you not can good. just come back from and be ready right away. So, right. um, so I don't think Rankins plays half the season if he does play. I, mean, I think he plays, but, uh, some people in our eliminators are taking him like he's playing week one. And I don't think that's a reasonable goal. Right, for I him. don't Second half of the season, he might start to come back around, but I don't think week one is even a starting possibility uh, based on the info. Yeah, Um, I don't either. I mean, his recovery seems to be going well, but that doesn't mean less than 12 months recovery for an Achilles surgery. That doesn't sound promising. Um, But this O-line, or this O-line, D-line is still loaded with talent. You have Jordan, Cameron Jordan, not Jordan Cameron, uh, Cameron Jordan, you know, first round pick, just signed a big contract. He's playing opposite Marcus Davenport, another first round pick. You have mm-hmm. Malcolm Brown inside, another first round pick. He's yep. going to hold it down until Rankins gets back. Uh, a couple guys they signed to brought in to kind of help out until Rankins is back. Uh, well, David Onyemata was there, but Ziggy Hood and Sylvester Williams they kind of brought in until sheldon's back and ready to go um also some rotational guys on the outside trey hendrickson and mario edwards are some guys to mix in there and here is where Wes horton here's who landed is uh a reserve end for the saints anything about these guys loving cameron jordan um marcus davenport loving him too i've actually picked him up in a number of leagues well, before the season actually got going back, you know, March, April, that area, 
uh, where owners were still kind of sour where he missed a big chunk of the season due to injuries. So, um, yeah, and he's a raw prospect anyway, so learning the NFL game was going to be a step that he had to take, and I think he's taken that step. You could see towards the end of last year he was really coming on. Yeah, so I added him where I could, and I, I'm still trying to add him where I can. Yeah. So some interesting uh, players in the linebacking core. Demario Davis is uh, a guy that you, you kind of were down on a little bit last year. He's still going to get the tackle numbers, I think. Uh, Alex Anzalone uh, playing in the middle, and A.J. Klein. Uh, they also brought in a guy who you liked a lot, uh, Porter Gustin. Do you think he plays linebacker or like defensive end-ish? Mm. He's listed as a linebacker. It looks like he's going to play. I mean, he could play some blitzing outside yeah, linebacker. He's probably going to be that edge rusher type role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they got him currently as a middle linebacker backup, which is interesting. I mean, that's kind of where he played in USC. Um, Didn't Cameron Smith play? Yeah, they both of them kind of played. Okay. I thought Gustin was more of an edge guy. But. He is kind of, I guess. But, I mean, he can play inside. He played inside at times for them. I mean, he can. he's kind of versatile. I mean, you can move him around, and he can rush from anywhere. So. Okay. Uh, Craig Robertson doesn't ever go away. <laughs> Even though he's, I don't know, just he's a plotting linebacker who's good for a reserve role when Anzalone eventually gets hurt like he does every year. And A.J. Klein was supposedly the next coming of Luke Keekley in Carolina. Now he's with New Orleans, and he may see a starting role, but nothing special there. Uh, moving on to the secondary, Eli Apple, um, Marshawn Lattimore and P.J. Williams are your, your starting three. They play a lot of nickel corner on this team, which means Klein's normally not on the field. Um, talk about two opposite guys. You got Eli Apple, who is an outstanding IDP asset, and then you got uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who's a great corner and a terrible IDP asset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he is that shutdown guy that nobody wants to throw to. Meanwhile, exactly. Eli Apple is like a turnstile, and yeah, he just gets picked on and picked on. And he picked gets on. picked on, and for good reason. Yes, yeah. and he but he loads the tackles up. He has a great IDP line corner, and he's starting. And you should yeah. start him too. Uh, PJ Williams isn't a bad start either because you know teams can throw on the Saints defense. Right. Um. So. They're trying to strengthen their front line, so that's not as much of an issue. But still, like these corners on this team, it's definitely a team I target. Uh, Ken Crowley's another one that gets beat like a drum. So <laughs> um, they're they're hoping to solidify that. They did pick up a couple guys in the draft: Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, at safety and Saquon Ham- Hampton. Um, two guys they brought in to help solidify the secondary, possibly with uh, Marcus Williams, who uh, redeemed himself quite well after that big uh, faux pas Ugh. two years ago. And then Von Bell is a steady, strong safety. A lot of people are a lot higher on him than I am. I think he's steady. I think he's safe. Beyond that, uh, that's all I have to say about tackles. I mean, he's he had, what, 88 last year, so I mean, yeah. he's a steady, steady, yeah, steady source of tackles that he's reliable. I mean, you yeah. can rely on him. He's not going to give you nothing flashy, but 
you know what you get with him. So moving on to the uh, numbers, Demario Davis led the team with 110 tackles. Uh, a little bit down from his, you know, career high the year before with the Jets, but you know, you can't always hit your career high. Um, That's right. Von Bell, you just mentioned at 88 tackles, um, he only started eight games, uh, meaning that he was kind of rotated in. Right. So we'll take a look at snap counts here in a minute, but. Interesting that one of your best defenders didn't start, but um, AJ Klein played seventy or not played seventy, had seventy tackles. Uh, all these numbers are just looking like mush in my head right now. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore had fifty nine, so eh, you know you could do worse. I guess he is a really talented corner. You could do worse at IDP corner. Um, 12 passes defended. I guess if you get a lot of her passes defended, that'd be good. Two interceptions, uh, three fumble recoveries, yeah. and four forced fumbles. So, so that's he's he's making some extra making some plays. plays. I call him. Yeah. I so mean, maybe 12. you do want him on your roster. Yeah. He's not too bad. Yeah. He's only 22 years yeah. old. Be 23 this year. Uh, Marcus Williams, we mentioned him, had uh, two interceptions, three passes defended to go along with his 59 tackles. And we can mention Anzalone, he's tied, 59 tackles. Um, He only started seven games. So a lot of different starts by guys uh, that weren't necessarily, that were contributors. Maybe they just got a token start thrown in here and there. Right. Um, Manti Teo had a couple token starts thrown in there. Manti. So Kurt Coleman got a couple starts over Von Bell, looks like. Um, right. Not very effectively, but uh, sacks-wise, obviously Cameron Jordan is your top dog with 12. Sheldon Rankins had 8. He's going to be missing some time. He's a very good defensive tackle, so if you're in Dynasty, he's still a guy to to roster and keep and hold on to uh just don't expect the world this year don't expect eight sacks and 12 and 16 games like he gave you uh demario davis had five so even with those high tackle numbers he also brings some blitzing ability uh david ayamata four and a half sacks not a bad defensive tackle so you know keep an eye on him especially early in the season when rankins is out Onyemata will probably get a chance with Malcolm Brown there. And then Marcus Davenport was fifth on the team, tied with him with four and a half. Uh, Davenport, he only played 13 games. He played a rotation role. Alex Okafor's gone. He was the starter for 16 games opposite uh, Cameron Jordan. Uh, That's Davenport's job. And Mm -hmm. even in rotation, he still had 12 QB hits. Yeah, I mean, he didn't Cameron, even start a game, and he had four and a half sacks, 12 yeah. hits. So I think that's, the Saints did a nice job of bringing him along because, like I said, he's, I a think, raw, he's a raw prospect when they brought him in. So throwing him right in there to be a starter and, you know. Was and I think he'll do really well. Yet. I think you probably could see him get seven, eight sacks this year. I think he's good enough to make that big of a jump this year. Yeah, definitely. I think he could. Um, taking a look at the uh, main IDP guys. Who are your main IDP guys? Um, my main IDP guys? Draft. Not the podcast, but the... Uh, 
<laughs> well, the think, players and the Saints. Demario Davis is worthy. I mean, he's going to get you probably 100-plus tackles, probably five sacks again. Uh, I'm taking Cameron Jordan, especially in sack-heavy leagues. He's your double-digit sack guy. Um, probably taking Marvin uh, Marcus Davenport. I think he's going to make a big jump. Um, if you look, if you have to have a corner, you're probably taking Eli Apple. Like you said, he's a human turnstile. So I mean, they just pick on him like redheaded stepkid. So, um, and then after that, I think it gets a little cloudy. Von Bell, I would put up there because he's reliable and consistent. But after that, you're kind of just picking and choosing. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, Lattimore could be decent. Uh, Marcus Williams could be decent. Uh, Rankins, if he comes, but when he comes back, is a very good option as a D tackle. But you're going to have to wait for him to get healthy and come back. So, yeah. Uh, Looking at snap count percentages, Marcus Williams played the most. He played ninety three percent. Marshawn Lattimore played eighty eight percent. Cameron Jordan played eighty six percent. Demario Davis eighty five percent. Von Bell seventy three percent. P.J. Williams at 67%, A.J. Klein at 65%, Alex Okafer at 64, three, yeah, 64%, uh, Sheldon Rankin at 62 and David Anyamata at 59.8 here. And Eli Apple came over halfway through the season, still played about 59% of snaps. So right. Apple, uh, once he was there, he pretty much was on the field a lot. Um so not a really huge surprise here. AJ Klein was kind of a surprise that he played that much in my eyes. I don't see him as a valuable IDP asset, but um, looks like somebody yeah. they like to keep on the field. Um, I mean, not, 70, not a huge surprise. Yeah, 70 anymore. tackles, two sacks. He just doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, maybe if you need him as a backup or a bi-week fill-in, I could see that, but other than that, yeah. I'm not going out of my way to get him but yeah so uh definitely something to keep an eye on by the way marcus williams played 15 offensive snaps so that's an interesting uh, little <laughs> nugget there so maybe they are uh some trick plays opportunity for him possibly um so yeah we, we covered most of the main guys obviously cameron jordan and uh, demario davis are probably top two targets in drafts um a lot of good options though on this team for defensive players uh you know davenport being a big sleeper the tackles i like both of them all three of them really um at certain points of this year von bell's always a, a good uh i think later round value um so you know I, I would say some of the guys are you know the other linebackers aren't really worth anything right um Anzalone's a decent piece. Yeah, he's all right. If he stays healthy. Tyler Davidson may be a decent piece for defensive tackle. Um, Yeah, I think he gets pushed back a little bit with Brown in town, though. Yeah, I do, too. But anyway, we're moving on to our last team of the day, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers have now played Yo-Yo, where they've gone from 3-4 to 4-3, back to a 3-4. And they, I guess, are a little confused. Uh, Todd Bowles comes from the Jets to come coach the team. Um, And, you know, if anything, the Jets had a good defense. 
So, and he's inheriting a decent defense. I wouldn't say good because they let up a ton of points. Um, but let's take a look here. Um, now, they still have these guys listed as... I don't know what how they have. They have a 12 starters listed, which doesn't really happen. Uh, but what I can tell you is if they run a 3-4, Vita Vea is probably going to be the nose. Yep. And then you're going to have Sue and Nassib as your probable interior defensive linemen. Yep. And then when Pierre Paul is healthy, will be one of those linebacker rushing. And then you'll have Shaquille Barrett probably rushing that other outside backer role. Um, some of the other guys you could see mixed in there. Uh, Noah Spence, William Goldson, Too Tall Tony. We all like him. Um, and that's about it. So that we covered kind of the, the interior linemen and the edge rushers. Uh, any comments? I know a couple of these guys could be destined for a position change. I don't think Carl Nassib will be one of them, though. Yeah, they're running what? They're going to the 3-4, is that what we said? Yeah, Todd Bowles normally runs a, a 3-4. I mean, so that's what I'd assume they're Probably hurt Sue's position value, but like you said, he's probably going to be a D-end. Yeah, although, um, I don't know. I, he kind of played that last year and still... Yeah, but I think was he was classified as a D-tackle in most leagues, though, still. He was, yeah. I don't think so, they're going to change it. See, and that's where the inconsistencies are, because Aaron Donald did almost the same thing as Sue, and he was listed as D-end, and right. Sue was D-tackle, so I don't know. Yeah. Because Vea, I think, is definitely your, your tackle. Yeah, or the nose, depending on what they do, too. Yeah. If they go to 3-4, he's the nose. If they stay with a 4-3 for some reason, then... If they stay for a 4-3, I like a lot of pieces on this defense. Yeah, if they stay at 4-3, it's awesome. Especially with Veda and or Veda. They and Sue as your interior. Yeah. Man. It's pretty, pretty good interior. And then you're going to have NASA, Pierre Paul, and those other rushers. If they can stay healthy, which has been a lot of these guys' problems, Noah Spence in particular, and Pierre yeah. Paul. If they can stay healthy, they might have a decent pass rush on this team. Yeah. I think it's a big reason why they brought in Anthony Nelson is is yep to have another piece when these yeah, they big have, pieces go down. Yeah, they have no depth behind them. So, yeah, you're exa- and I have actually grabbed Anthony Nelson every league I possibly can. Except when I'm in the league with you. Yeah, yeah, uh, looking at linebackers, this is where uh, I, I like a lot of pieces. Devin White was the big draft pick. Uh, I love Devin White. Like I said, I, I like his situation just a tiny hair less than then Bush's situation. We talked about Devin Bush uh, earlier in the offseason. Levante David's still going to be a stud no matter if it's a 4-3, 3-4. If it is a 3-4, both those guys will be inside. Yes. And then you'll have, you know, they, they have Kevin Minter listed as a starter. Don't necessarily agree with that. I would think that Buchanan might get the nod because he came over from Arizona where Bruce Arians used to be his coach. Yeah, very well good. I could see that. Yeah, and I see Shaquille Barrett being a rusher. So, you know, Kevin Minter may have a job. I don't know. But I don't think he's going to be relevant with White and David there. 
I, I think Minter definitely comes off the field on third downs. Yes. In favor of Rusher, probably. But yeah, he wasn't a big factor anyway. When he and they're going to need a third corner, so who knows what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, at quarterback, speaking of, Vernon Hargraves, Carlton Davis, Ryan Smith, MJ Stewart, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting. Um, I could keep naming names because these corners, uh, Hargraves did have a good first game and then was out. Um, Carlton Davis is a guy that could take a step this year. There's a lot of players here. Um, kind of have to wait and see on this these corners to see who's starting, to see who's valuable. I would definitely be taking some Buccaneer corners or look at Buccaneer corners. Um, and we alluded to the other day the safety room is kind of up in the air. Uh, Kentrell Bryce, Justin Evans on the pup list right now. You got Jordan Whitehead and rookie Mike Edwards. And then you got a couple other guys who, who were rookies, undrafted uh, Lucas Dennis and Dakota Dixon, who we liked as well. You'd think Edwards would get the first crack at this. I would think so, yeah. If, you know. If they're going to, you know, if Evans misses any time, I don't know how Jordan Whitehead is in the starter on this team. I don't know either, to be honest with you. I, I mean, they have Kentrell Bryce here penciled in here. I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen. I mean, maybe we're just way too high on Jordan Whitehead. And maybe. maybe, I mean, but I'm with you. I just don't know how he's not your starter. Yeah. Then again, the Buccaneers have not always had a good track record for making good decisions. <laughs> uh, speaking of good decisions, Levante David would be a very good decision for your IDP team. Uh, 120 tackles last year and only 14 games. Uh, if you, you know, take a look at expanding that out more, he, he's one of the leaders in this league if he played all 16. That's been one of his problems the last couple of years is health, uh, keeping him from completing seasons uh, all the way. He had two fumble recoveries and a forced fumble to go along with his tackles. Uh, Jordan Whitehead was second on the team in tackles, and this is why I don't get why he's not going to start. He was 21 years old. He'll be 22 this season, 76 tackles, four passes defended. I mean, maybe he didn't get the turnovers they were hoping for. New regime, I don't know. We'll see how that all shakes out. But second on the team last year. Our right. Darius Taylor, I don't believe, is with the team anymore. He had 60 tackles uh, and some decent other stats. Justin Evans, who right now is on the pup list, started 10 games, had 59 tackles. So he you know, projects up if he's healthy week one. Yeah. If he's not, I still think once he's healthy, he will resume that starting job. They do like him, it seems like. Um had a touchdown on a fumble recovery and had an interception and two passes defended to go along with that. And then fifth on the team, Justin Pierre-Paul. Or I'm sorry, not Justin. Jason Pierre-Paul. <laughs> I'm thinking of Justin Tuck in the Giants. Uh, that's probably where my mind is going. Uh, led the team in sacks. He had 58 tackles, 20 QB hits. Uh, he's obviously still dominant, even though he's entering his 30-year-old season. His car accident, uh, we feared he might have been lost for the season 
what we hear is uh, oct- late October, November is when he's due back. Um, we have him on a roster that we share. Um, yes, we do. Because we figured it's Dynasty 2, so we got a couple years with him, I think. Right. Um, but he really has dodged the bullet when it comes to injuries off the field. And that's what it's really been is he he's, you know, off the field injuries have hurt him. He doesn't really get hurt when he's on the field. No, he, gets he doesn't. Hurt, he gets hurt when he's not playing football, which, you know, wrap yourself in bubble wrap and just don't leave the house, dude. <laughs> you obviously don't have the best of luck outside of the football field here. Um, but, yeah, I mean – when he's healthy, he's the leader of this defense, I think, besides Levante David. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sacks-wise, like we said, Jason Pierre-Paul, 12 and a half sacks, definitely the leader for Rush. Carl Nassib quietly at six and a half sacks. Um, he's going to need to play. Yeah, they're going to lean on him. It'd be good. Uh, he had 14 QB hits. Uh, Gerald McCoy, who we mentioned just a few minutes ago when we were talking about Carolina, played in 14 games at six sacks. 21 QB hits. Opportunities. Yeah. Uh, Levante David missed two games, still had three and a half sacks. And Vita Vea, though, he started off, he started off very quietly, mainly because he missed the first couple games with an injury. And he didn't really flash a whole lot, but he had three sacks in 13 games played. Uh, I think that's a pretty decent number considering the way they kind of worked him in. Now, with Cheryl McCoy there, you're not going to get much playing time right away anyway. Right. Um, so I like both safeties, Evans and Whitehead, besides the guys we've named so far. I mean, they uh, Evans we named and, and Whitehead we both named in the tackle conversation. Uh, Pierre Paul I like in... I don't want to say like in redraft, but uh, but yeah. Any any last thoughts about the the Buccaneers before we? No, I think we yeah. pretty much covered it. I mean, hopefully, yeah. JPP can get back healthy and because he's a huge asset in IDP as a defensive end. So yeah, and, and they lose. You know, Brent Grimes is you know. Yep, gone. Be, be, uh, you can see got, what Devin White does for them. Well, Devin White, I think, does exactly what Quan Alexander did for them, except Quan came from nowhere. You know, we know De- who Devin White is. Yeah. So I think you know Quan kind of came out of nowhere for, took that job and ran with it. Whereas we know Devin White's pedigree, and really, I think a lot of people may be disappointed because they're going to expect him to come out like Darius Leonard did last year. And I think temper your expectations a bit. Yeah, I think Darius Leonard is going to – has spoiled a lot of linebackers for people. Yeah, and, and I think you got a you know, LVE too. I mean – Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. So I think temper your expectations. If he hits 100 tackles, that's still a successful rookie season. That's a great rookie season. I think him and Bush both are – Yeah. If you get that I think they both will hit 100 combined tackles, but – I think yeah. they will too. Pump but don't go expect them leading the league. Don't go expect yeah. them having 130, 140 tackles because that's yeah. kind of pushed. You, you, know. you mentioned it was historic. It uh, is. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. 
Um, so the Bucks, uh, you know, will we'll continue to follow the, the Carolina and Tampa Bay defensive scheme stuff here. Yeah. Uh, any last words for the people? We'll kind of talk about our trade. We'll talk about our Debbie Diamond with our guest on Wednesday. Okay. I'll have them um, rolled over to next week's show, but no, I think good. we've uh, pretty much covered everything for NFC South. Yep. And uh, we will cover the West, the wild, wild West, with the AFC earlier this week and then the NFC probably, uh, I don't know. We can skip the NFC West. There's nothing really to see there. See, I'm going to call up Aaron Donald (laughs) and tell him that he's nothing to see, quote, at DFF underscore D. Well, I was thinking more about your Seahawks, but hey, whatever. Well, I'm fully willing to admit that Aaron Donald's the best defender in that conference, in that, that division. Yeah. I mean, we can sum up the Seahawks in two words. Bobby Wagner. That's pretty much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, KJ writes back. Don't don't sleep on him. We'll get to, we'll get to the Seahawks in due time here. We, we talked about the Seahawks with uh, the Aussie guys this we past did. weekend. Which was uh, fun, fun, by the fun way, time. talking some Seahawks and talking yeah. some Titans. That was a good time. So if you haven't caught those episodes, you need to go check them out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jeremy McNichols is making some noise at Titans camp. Oh, Lord, please. While Derrick Henry's hobbling off the field oh, with a hamstring. He's fine. The big yeah. baby's fine. I had to throw it in there. Just <laughs> had to. Just had to. But anyway. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this week's show. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview with Robbie Wallace, and hopefully you enjoyed the NFC South. Uh, we'll be at you a couple more times this week, and that's about all I got. Outro music has started now. Tighten up. Go Hawks, and we'll Later. be talking to you before you even know it. We're going to spoil you guys. You guys are going to be like, where's these three episodes a week during the season hey you know follow us rate us review us help support us maybe one day this will be the thing well if you'd rather hear us than us write articles you could let us know that too but good night now